welcome to the second episode of the BAL podcast, the official and official voices of the Basketball African League. I'm your host, Ms. Benny Bonsu, my co-host, Ntabi Singh Mushi, Conan Ufo, and also DJ Aries. I'm so excited you guys are all here. How's everybody doing? Good. Lovely, lovely. How many people get to be as lucky as I am? Oh God, here we go, Colin. Like as you guys know, what did I say? As I, as I said in the last show, Colin is the Nigerian of the team, and Tavi is the United South African, and we have another Ghanaian in the house, which is DJ Aries. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Aries, thank you so much for that dope track that you dropped on the first episode. Amazing, I love it. Afro House. Thank you. It's something new, so it's something new to me. But talk to us about Afro House real quick, though. Well, it's been around for a very long time, but it's slowly and surely creeping up. Everybody's getting a piece of the cake now. So, um, you, you know already my journey. I was playing Afro beats at first. I was playing stuff from Ghana, Zonto, and, you know, the Nigerian beats, and a bit of stuff from, you know, um, Angola. And then I started liking Afro House when I moved to Dubai. And that's when, you know, I got into South African House. Oh, my God. And it changed <laughs> my direction. You know, black coffee's just like my name. <laughs> Idol. I've seen that man four times. You know, he walked past me, said bye, hi. I was like, okay, yes, we're gonna be friends. Doesn't matter how long it will take, we'll get there. And mind you, I really want to go to South Africa. So please. we will welcome you with open arms. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> and, we, and we will get you a Nigerian husband. I beg you, imagine. See now you're talking. See Benny, what, Benny, weren't we talking about this? <laughs> about but, this. but we will save this topic for another day because <laughs> yes, another day. <laughs> this is the BAL podcast and we're going to go straight to Intabi for all the updates so far. Yes, as you guys all know, we're still in quarantine, although, you know, some countries have lifted and stuff, but there's still things that are happening around the league. It's not completely quiet. So I don't know if you guys remember Wilson. It's very the brand is very popular for tennis, um, but they were actually one of the partners, the ball partners with the NBA in nine, before 1983, and then post that, um, that's when Spalding came onto onto um, on board with the league, and now Wilson Basketball joins the NBA, WNBA, NBA G League. NBA 2K and the BAL as the official ball um, for they joined the partnership and it starts uh, the tip off starts in 2021 for the NBA G League and the BAL as well as 2K and then in 2022 they will be joining the WNBA as the official partner for the ball. So we're going to be saying goodbye to Spalding and hello to Wilson, or rather welcome back to Wilson. <laughs> and um, something that's very exciting that's happening as well is that OKC Thunder's Abdel Nader, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name properly. If I am not, I do apologize, sir. Um, he has the opportunity to represent his home country, Egypt, in the 2021 Afro Basketball quali Afro Basket Qualifiers. Um, Benny and I, we met him in He's Chicago. Gorgeous. Spoke to him. So, he yeah. is gorgeous. I'm just saying, I never knew that. <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Colin, what is is it something in your? <clears throat> <throat> no, no, I'm just trying to find He's a talented basketball player too. Just throw that in. He's a talented basketball player, and he, he just happens to be gorgeous on top. So he'll be representing Egypt in the 2021 Afro Basket qualifiers. Um, and we met him when he just got fitted with his uh chocolate clothes chocolate cloth drip and he was super excited about it so shout out to him shout out shout out i thought you were a nice church girl no i mean like well, nice church girls can still see good looking talented exactly. people exactly. Exactly. so i don't know where <laughs> she ain't blind exactly oh. <laughs> well <laughs> we'll talk about that later like, can i just say though in tabi that um I was, I was surprised about a new deal with Wilson because I feel like 
Spalding has been a part of the NBA family for so long that seeing the name Wilson just threw me off. If I'm I know. It's a little strange, especially when you think basketball and you think Spalding, you think love and basketball, you think um, white man can't jump, you think all these movies, and then all of a sudden there's Wilson. It's different when you have Malton, I think it is, that the Europeans play with. Uh, Wilson, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know where I am with this yet because i was still sold out for spalding because i knew spalding mm-hmm. i knew malton wilson <laughs> i just you know welcome on board though we are glad that you are here supporting and partnering with us thank you bring on the point it's gonna take a while for us to get used to the idea of calling the basketball wilson or even get well, used to the, the the logo yeah it's true. it's true I, I mean but 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 here's the thing if you look back at it um wilson made the first um nba ball i mean the first basketball from like 1894 so that goes back like what how many generations um and um well sporting was involved at the beginning as well they made the f- very first one and uh, the reason why it's, it's going to be hard for any of you to remember is probably because sporting has been there for 37 years so which is way before Antabi was born so yeah we can we can we can understand that. <laughs> and me, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not dating you or anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm just saying we're all young, but the ladies, we're all young, so we're still. This is going to be weird for us to see Wilson. Like that's not in our era at all. So yeah, that's just weird. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Any more news from you? No, that's all I have for this episode. Okay, I'm uh, Benny. Um, I think was something we should mention today that um, the NBA China has a new CEO. Um, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Benny, walk us through mm-hmm. that. Yeah, Ma- Michael Ma is taking over. So, yeah, Benny, you can run us through that. Yeah, so, you know, we all had a bit of trouble with China last year. <laughs> like, randomly, NBA had announced that they're going to do so much in China. They did the China game over there with a huge, you know, and then the whole, out, you know, the uprise of the protests that happened in Hong Kong. And a lot of the athletes had a lot to say in regards to what was happening in China. And subsequently, the GM of the, not Raptors, of the Rockets. Houston Rockets, yeah. Peter Daryl Morey tweeted and said something in regards to what was happening in China. And obviously, we know that China don't don't like that. So, at the time, and it was a very dangerous time at the moment because they were doing an exhibition game in China when this happened where the team had to go on lockdown, the Chinese government pulled the game off TV, or the networks. So nothing was being transmitted to the point where Adam Silver had to go in talks, not only with the Basketball Federation in China, but with the government and all the partners that were involved. The Mm -hmm. sad thing about this situation is that last year when they made this announcement, it was the beginning of a beautiful journey where the marketing and the money-making of the NBA machine was going to go next level, like to the level of untouchable. And then this happened and a lot of money was lost. Um, so today, the old CEO of NBA China has stepped down and he's due to return back to the UK this week. Now, Michael Ma takes over that position. I begin in June, I'm, I believe in June, he yeah. takes over and hopefully he is now going to have that huge job of rebuilding the relationship between the NBA, the Chinese government, the networks, the partners, and he's basically going to go and troubleshoot and plaster this back together. But it was such a shame. I mean, they always say that, you know, shut up and dribble. But also as athletes, we know that they have such a huge platform. And when it comes to things that people are hurting and something needs to be said, some, some of the athletes and some of the people within the organization likes to use their platform the right way. Um, and this one didn't go the right way. NBA took a huge loss. So hopefully Michael Mark takes over this position and rebuild the relationship that was so important to the NBA. I mean, when you look at the NBA, you look at NBA in Europe, is it growing? Can it get bigger than it is already? I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. Was China going to be bigger? Possibly. Massively. Um, it's a huge market. Um, right now, like, you know, like uh, Magda said in the last podcast, Africa seems to be the next frontier for them, and it needs to be the one that's constant. So hopefully, let's all hope that this Michael Ma taking over <coughs> is a positive thing, <laughs> and it changes things. But um, 
Yeah. How long do you think it will take for them to rebuild a relationship in China? Because that's thousands and thousands and maybe even millions and millions of dollars, really. I think it will take years. It will take years. Yeah, China is not an easy place to go do business. I mean, it takes years for them to trust you. And then when they trust mm-hmm. you and then something happens, like they will lose trust in you straight away. So mm-hmm. I do not envy Michael Ma taking that position um, in China and going to reestablish that relationship. And remember, a lot of these athletes do big business out there. So LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Davis, Brown, Davis all of them, Clay, Tom- Clay Thompson, all of them are have big partnership deals with sports brands out there. And I know because I work for Dwayne Wade's brand, which is, you know, leaning way of Wade. And I know how huge that market is for him. So this whole situation of the NBA and the relationship, it really impacts on them. So that relationship really needs to be mended. Um, I do not envy Michael. What are your thoughts on that, um, Colin? Um, well, mine is a bit more, I, I'm taking a more big picture look. Um, because you look at how, I mean, yes, we see the economic impact of not being in China and what is done with the NBA. Um, at the same time, we're talking about living in a country where um, one of the, the values is freedom of expression, you know, which is why Adam Silva, on the one hand, you know, even, he, even though he understood um, the inc- economic impact of um, Daryl Moore's comment on the NBA, could not say anything. I mean, all he could do was say, look, you know what? Um, he's too kind of, you know, for, on his freedom of ex- expression because that's the value that, um, that's a U.S. value, you know, an American value. Now, the, 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 the position the NBA now finds itself is, because I'm sure they were backtelling and telling players and, um, and, um, and, and GMs and officials, you know, what mind what you say about China and stuff. So, which raises the dilemma, you know. Now, if you bend over backwards to accommodate China because of the economic impact it's going to have on the game, now, what moral right would you have if something happens elsewhere and you want to weigh in? You see what I mean? So now it puts them in a position where, you know, yes, uh, which is why I think that Adam Silver backed um, uh, Daryl Moore because he couldn't very well say, oh, no, you shut it down. You can't, you can't say this. You know? Because then they'll have to shut down everything else to say about everybody. I mean, for instance, let's say the BL comes to Africa. There's a revolution in an African country. You know, and then somebody, a player, an official speaks up and says something. You know, how do they, um, I mean, like, how do they reconcile the fact that they can say something about some, somewhere else without being able to do the same in China? So that's a very, very big dilemma there for the NBA. I mean, and, you know, NBA is so good. Like, the athletes are so good in being proactive and supporting communities and injustices that happens around the world. The issue that they have is that business and politics sometimes cannot live in the same place. Mm. Oil and water, baby. Oil and water. Yeah, like, not like, and we can see that with this whole China situation. And as they go into different markets, certainly in Africa, they will encounter that. So, how do you then deal with that going forward? That's the conversation. The kind of strategies that MBAs are going to put in place when they're signing these partnership deals. Do we get involved politically, or do we just mm-hmm. go there and do sports? And if we just go there, go there and do sports, what are we then contributing to those local communities that are out there that are suffering? Yeah. This is a huge dilemma. Like, I'm going to say it now, I'll say it again. I do not envy Michael's job of going to China to try and resolve the situation because it's about to be one fat headache that will never go away for him. Uh, he is going to be walking on eggshells all the time he's there. He's going to be walking on some serious eggshells. Wow. But let's stay positive, though, because yes. I'm sure it can be done. Because this, oh, yeah. oh, this is the NBA. Look, if they didn't think it could be done, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even try it. So, yeah, it, it can be done. And um, I think it should be done. Um, like I said, the question now is just it leaves them in, you know, moral, it puts them in a moral, uh, a moral dilemma, you know, going forward, not just with China, but with Europe, with Africa, Asia, everywhere else. As I said, today's show, we're really, really excited because we actually have the Senior Director of Business Operations joining us um, on the podcast today, which I'm really, really excited about because this lady, she is, um, I don't want to give her a big head because she's one of my homegirls, but she's amazing and I can't wait to share her journey within the MBA over the years. But before we get to her, because she's already in the room, I want to talk about a breakdown. And we wanted, today we wanted to focus on an African player. And every, every week, every episode, we're going to focus on one African player. And today the focus is Bismarck Bayombo. 
as I said, guys, Bismack's name is not Bismack Bayombo. His actual name is Bismack Bayombo Samba. We're celebrating Bismack today because Bismack is a big deal. He's done so much for Africa. A lot of the times we don't celebrate or talk about what the athletes are doing and giving back to the community. We know that Bismack entered the, the NBA draft in 2011 and since then his impact back home in the DRC has been amazing. We know we have two of them from the D or three from the DRC that in the league. We have Serge Barker, Bismack Bayombo Samba and also Emmanuel Moudier. Um, but today the focus is on Bismack because Bismack over the years has set up his Bismack Bayombo Foundation, which has given so much back to the community, especially through, you know, throughout this COVID-19 period where he has given back, I think 10,000 masks and over, um, over 500 protective suits for the doctors that are out there. Wow. But what I wanted to focus on is about the fact that over the years that he's been there, Every year he has run a camp for the young people, for football and basketball. And what he holds very closely to his heart, he says, I focus on three things. I focus on athletics, education, and health. And these are the areas that I give back to. He has given 185 scholarships over oh, the years. Why are we not talking about this in the, like, we don't see this often. 185 scholarships. I'm not even done yet. He had 150 students enrolled in his academy and 1,185 students that attend his camp each summer. Do you know how oh, big that is? A word. We need he to give this man a Can we give him an award already? In his clinic that he works with in, in Kinshasa, they have over 1,805 patients that are treated weekly, which he donates to to make sure that this happens. Can I just say something? His name is great. It says it all. He's doing great things. Like he's Bismack living by his Samba. Remember that Absolutely. name. Agreed. Agreed. Greatness. Greatness. 100%. You know, and since he's been in the NBA, he actually was drafted by the Kings, then traded to the Hornets. Then he was with the Hornets. Then he went to the Toronto Raptors. And when he went to the Raptors, I was like, oh my God, we have Team Africa. All the Africans <laughs> are there in Toronto. Yeah the Hornets, which he's at, and I think he loves it out there. So guys, this week's focus on Bismack, if you get a minute, if you're listening, please go and give him a follow, follow the work he's doing, give him the support, because I mean, if you know the history of DRC, he's really doing a lot for that community. And he said to me, this was this year, and he said, Benny, one day I'm going to be the president of the DRC. Get I it! You know what? Definitely going to be. Look, I mean, look. This, this is how George Ware started. When Ware was, um, I mean, soccer, I mean, as a soccer player, he was always doing stuff like this, um, you know, with Liberia and co. And, you know, ended up becoming a member of Congress and then now he's, he's um, Liberian president. So, yeah, I mean, if I could vote in, in the DRC, I'd definitely be voting right now. Yeah. Wow. This is a great way for you, for him to use his platform, especially while, while he's still in the league. Instead of just being silent and blowing your money like most players do, give back to the continent, you know. Be remembered for something. Build a legacy. Way to go, Bismar. And also, like, you look, and I think for him, he looks at somebody like um, Dikimbe as his big brother and the, the give back that Dikimbe has done over the years back home in DRC. You know, and for Bismack, for me... As to him as an athlete, he's not one of those that are show off. You know, you don't see the big change. You don't see mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. big cars. Everything he does is for Africa. And um, again, if you're listening, he's just launched his new website, the Bismack Bayombo Foundation um, dot com. Go and check it out. Check out the work he's doing. If you can't donate, I mean, you don't need to donate money. You can donate your time in supporting the work that he does on the ground. Please go and show him that support because he's a giant walking amongst us. And I won't be surprised 10 years, 15 years from now, we're calling him President Bismarck Bayombo Samba of Congo. I mean, that would be mad. That would be amazing. That would be he's just amazing. title for his name once I'm again. I'm telling you. <laughs> but we salute you. We're going to move it forward. And the lady herself, I mean, this lady, I know how hard it is to be a woman in this space. It's ridiculously hard. And for somebody like her to be working in the league for seven years running, seven years, I don't know how she does it. Ow. And then working her way up as the senior director of business operations at the NBA. I don't know how she's done it. I'm very proud of her. I respect her highly. Morgan Keto, welcome to the 
podcast. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with everyone. How's everyone doing so far? We're good, thank We're you. Good. Good. We're Fam- good. Families are good. Everyone's safe. Yeah. Everyone's staying healthy. All right. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Morgan, talk us <laughs> Morgan, talk us through your journey into the NBA. I know you as a very strong black woman. Your your background is in recruitment. Then you joined the league and you've worked your way up. How did you even end up at the NBA? Uh, it's um it's an interesting story. I mean, growing up here in, in New York City, um, I come from Caribbean and American roots, right? So one thing that's always first and foremost with my family's work ethic. I grew up playing basketball in New York. Um, I wasn't that good, but I loved the game. Um, and when you when you get that addiction, when it hits you hard, you know, it just stays with you. So basketball's always been near and dear for me, particularly growing up in the inner city in inner city knowing the impact to athletes and just wanting to make sure that I contribute to that. So that's really kind of been my North Star. Like anyone that has known me has known this basketball uh, love that's been associated to me. I was I was talking to someone not too long ago. I remember the um, mid-90s Adidas campaign with John Starks about basketball Jones. And I remember that's essentially when I fell in love with the game. Like, I mean, just watching the lights and watching how it all comes together, like I understood the impact of basketball. So how did I kind of navigate my space? When you, when you stay true to the things that you believe in, Um, For me, it was development, diversity, and basketball. And no matter what environments I worked in, whether it be nonprofit, investment banking, consulting, people knew what I stood for. So um, I actually made my way to the NBA because someone understood this love that I had for the game. And it was the essential time when the league was looking to build out their early career development process, helping young talent navigate through the league and continue to grow the game. Um, it was a combination of my current skill set at that time, dealing with consulting and development, and then bringing it to basketball. And that's essentially how I joined the league because someone knew what I was about. Um, and then when it came to transitioning exclusively to the basketball side of the house, again, like if you follow the game and and you build the right relationships and you you know know when and how to add value, people recognize your worth. Um, so I was fortunate enough to just continue moving into that space to continue helping to grow any strategic initiatives that we have on the game, what we're doing internationally, how we continue to have better relationships with our coaches, with our players, the narrative around officiating. Um, I really get the chance to spend a lot of my time doing those things. So staying true to like really the things that I believe in is how I got here. Um, And that's inherent in how I was raised. Mm -hmm. You are a woman. (laughs) <laughs> and you are a black woman in the space. And I know the struggle of being a woman in a sports, a very male-dominated environment. What has it been like for you in your journey in becoming who you are today, um, locally in the United States, but also internationally, the work you've done across Europe and also across Africa? Ah, that, that's, an, that's an interesting question. You know, um, I'm probably a guy's girl, if you think about it. Like when you, when you grow up around the gym, it's, it's not a foreign environment to me. And I'm extremely fortunate that all of the men that I've either played with, worked with, have always respected me, you know? So we're looking at each other as peers to a degree, you know, talking shop, talking smack, whatever the case is, it's always been a comfortable environment. So when it comes to navigating that space, um, it's a bit more natural for me. I'm also fortunate that I work with amazing colleagues. You know, we, we treat each other straight and direct. So if I have questions, if I have concerns, if I wanna know something, if I wanna be invited, I don't necessarily just wait for it. You know, I build that rapport earlier on to, you know, treat each other with respect, but also give respect the same way. So we function as a team. We really do function as a team. So that's how I look at it. And and I try not to focus too much on what our differences are, right? I try not to focus on the fact that in many cases, I'm the only woman or the only woman of color in a basketball setting. I focus on our commonality. And um, those are the things that helped me. Um, I, I won't lie and say that, you know, I'm not aware that in many cases I, I am unique to the environment. But again, it comes with support and support and encouragement. So Morgan, as you know, a black woman in this industry, what does it mean for your community? What does it mean for girls coming up? You know, you know, women like me who play basketball and um, people that come after me and see, you know, how do they get in positions like you are in and how, how do you give back to those uh, individuals? Ah, um, that that's that's a, a fair comment. Um, I will start by saying representation matters. You know, like I don't think any of us grew up seeing women that were in our image 
in these spaces, right? Um, so, so being in this spot, it's it's kind of a, a social and community duty to to lift as you climb. Um, I, I spend quite a bit of time um, offering services, having phone calls. Just earlier today, I had two, you know, just off the cusp mentoring conversations with two young women, one who plays sports and one doesn't, but trying to figure out how to navigate just corporate environments and then sport environments. Um, just, just continuing to, to lend an ear and just talk through my experiences help to make it easier for someone else to figure out, okay, how do I navigate this space? Because it's not easy. I think a lot of people also assume that, you know, it's it's a cookie cut road. Like it's one shoe, one, one size fits all for corporate environments or different positions. The way we operate on the basketball side of the business is quite different from marketing or finance or communications. It's a different environment. So. Um, my advice to other young women behind me is like, know your surroundings, build strong relationships, and don't be afraid to have an opinion. If no one knows what you have up here, the only thing they're going to think about is what they see. Um, so th those are some of the things that I hold on to and, and that I share with others coming after me. But because I'm in the seat, because we're having these conversations, like that's part of the journey for other people. Um, the last thing I'll add to that, um, we we have our international basketball academies and we do our um, activations each year with our women's academies. And I remember being in one setting where I had a young woman um, in 2019, a woman of color asked me what it was like to be a black woman in corporate. You know, this is 2019 that this question was being asked to me and it, and it took all of my composure to um, like not want to shed a tear a bit that these are still real questions that are being asked. I've been at, um, I've been involved here for a bit. And when I go to NABJ, uh, which is the National Association of Black Journalists mm -hmm. uh, Convention, we, we keep hearing these questions all the time about, you know, um, women of color, minorities, how do you get into or at least succeed in a male-dominated industry. But I want to bring it a little bit back to Africa, which is where yeah. all of us, well, most of us here are from. And there's a mentality back home um, where sometimes you see a lot of younger girls sort of defer to um, men in the industry. Mm. And how do you, I mean, because I know a lot of these young ladies are going to listen to this podcast and hopefully listen to a lot more, but how do you get them to think differently, you know, not try to... Um, defer to people because look, there's some of the um, people I've worked with have been um, ladies um, who are strong, intelligent, smart, and very hardworking. Yeah. Um, but there's still, there's still this block yeah. of thinking, oh, the, the person is a man, is better. So how do we get over that hump, you know, yeah, when people yeah. like you? Well, Colin, that, that has a lot to do with social norms and, and quite a bit of the responsibility also lies with our men, right? Our, our counterparts. So um, in cases, women or men may default to a man because that's what they're used to seeing, right? But it's also the onus of the person who the question is being directed to, to then counter direct and say, oh no, my colleague, Morgan, Maria, Benny, you know, like this would be the best person to talk to and actually big her up. You know, it's 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 not always about what, what I have to say, it's just as important for our allies and the men that we work with and work closely with to amplify and have the right messaging the same way. So it's 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 more than just me, it's also the people I work with. Um, for the young women, and then even young men, right? Because if you're used to seeing a man in a role, that's what you're going to defer to, that's a social norm. It's not malicious, it's not coming from a bad place. You know, um, it's more of when you're asking questions, think about who you actually want to get the information from. So I would encourage just any, you know, young professionals who are trying to navigate their space, to do a bit more research on the people that you're speaking to and not make assumptions. And I think for me, um, I've seen you work over the years around the world, not just in the United <laughs> States, but everywhere. Like everywhere I go, yes. I see you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that is true. <laughs> um, how excited do you get when you see the journey Africa has taken over the years and where we are now from BWB to yeah. South Africa, to Academy in Senegal, to the arena in Senegal, to BAL. How excited do you see it? How do you see uh, the vision of it, like the end goal? It's, it's, an ex it's an exciting time. I mean, just thinking about recently being in Kigali for the BAL qualifiers and the energy in the arena, like it was such a time of pride with the logo reveal. And um, I remember actually during that time, I was, you know, sharing information as it was coming live back to the States and then back to Betty and things like that. 
but I just remember like the time is now, you know, for all of the work, for all of the work that your parents have put on their backs. I mean, for my parents, you know, it's, it's not just about the continent. It's also what people are seeing across the world. Um, social issues are at a rampant all time high right now. And when you, you see pride and culture through sport, particularly with the Africa League and what its potential is, I mean, it's, it's inspirational. Um, when we look at the growth of our academies, our players now in the NBA, um, our players in the G League, um, just African descent all across sport, you know, that's showing that what we're doing is working. You know, everyone that has come before me, I'm still considered a baby in this league. I mean, there are folks who have been doing this for, you know, 20 plus years, 30 years, give or take. But um, even just the embracing of me, you know, as an African-American woman, a, a Yankee coming to, you know, Africa and being taken in, um, it's, it's just, has been amazing. You know, it, it does feel like a second home for me, just even how I navigate and talk to people and spend time with players, um, even throughout language barriers, you know, it's been a neutral space. And that just shows that there's so much room for us to continue growing and Africa is a prime example of how it can be done in other markets. Morgan, I just have a, I have a question. When it, when it comes to technology and the NBA, what is the league's position when it comes to e-sports, e especially with what's been going on yes. with, with COVID-19, oh, as well as how important is it for the league to evolve technology-wise, especially in AI, you know, um, could you say what the position sure, is? Sure, sure. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid point because right now, the only way that we're truly staying engaged with our fans, with our players, um, with business partners is primarily through digital, social, and, and technology. Um, digital transformation is a big part of what, you know, the future of our businesses and then what also successful business platforms will be going forward. You know, um, the way that we're having this conversation right now, I've been on Zoom calls and WebEx calls the entire nine weeks of quarantine. Okay, so we're, we're not skipping a beat. Um, I'm, I'm in awe of just how we've been able to shift a lot of our player engagement to IG Live and other social streams. And that's everything from modifying skills drills and, and getting feedback from teams and seeing actually live demonstrations, all due to technology. So um, I'm excited and I think that the NBA is ahead of the curve in knowing that this is a crucial part of our business and how we'll continue to grow, particularly with connectivity in Africa and other continents where the game continues to expand. Um, the work that we wanna continue doing in India and other places like if we did not have our technological resources, then it would be difficult. When we think about the 2K League, I mean, that's just an entire population of youth that are being engaged through technology to also generate revenue, right? So it's a different experience if we think about um, our traditional fan population or just even as we're growing our, our young fans. I mean, 2K is a big part of that. You know, having the opportunity to potentially compete against a current NBA player or someone else like that, that's all due to technology. So um, we're, we're thinking creatively about that. Um, the WNBA draft, which I'm sure many of you may have had a chance to see, but you know, for basketball, the WNBA being you know, the, the first portion to take a draft virtual and have that engagement with our players. And that's everything from the player experience at their home to you know, how they were able to engage with fans and things like that. Like we're moving with it. So we're going in the right direction. And honestly, it is the future. Awesome. One more question from me is <laughs> what are the, what opportunities exist within the NBA for entrepreneurs? I would have to say any and every, right? Because I, I think people get, there's a stigma with entrepreneur, right? Um, when you think about entrepreneur, you entrepreneurship, you have to think about the industry. I would take any entrepreneurs and have them think more about where your area of expertise is and align that more so to the NBA, right? So I had a conversation um, with uh, someone earlier today who was you know, in between jobs, given where we are in the market, but was having trouble trying to figure out how to use this consulting experience. You know, like when you think about that and apply that to either revenue streams or team ticket sales or anything we're talking about now with digital transformation, take away the stigma of entrepreneur, talk about your skill set. Take your skill set and then apply that to a job or apply that to a growing area. But don't be demystified by the fact that, oh, you haven't had formal work experience. Let the work show for itself and, you know, marry that to the opportunity. Because again, you could even look at me, though I'm not an entrepreneur, I had a completely different non-traditional skill set on paper 
that people may not have applied to the game of basketball. It's all my other life attributes that help me to continue impacting the game. So for the entrepreneurs out there, like don't be deterred or, you know, be mystified, take the risk. You know, you being an entrepreneur just means you have a different thought process of how you can apply and help us grow this game. So bring it, bring it. <laughs> so you have a Caribbean background as well, right? Yeah. Basketball quite popular there or on the South American region as well. Is there going to be like an interest in that or is there interest in that already in those regions? I, I, I think basketball is, is everywhere. I mean, cricket, soccer are the predominant sports, mm -hmm. of course. But um, basketball is just growing. You know, that's the great part. As we talk about just digital and social and things like that, you know, we, we've had partnerships with other um, Caribbean-based sponsors that help us engage, you know, with young talent. Um, we, we brought groups of kids from the Bahamas, from Antigua, from Barbados, from San Martin to the United States for, you know, a basketball trek through our international basketball operations group. So basketball is not just in Africa, it's not just in Latin America, but the Caribbean is absolutely expanding with young athletes who want to continue exploring this. Um, my basketball love came from growing up in New York. Um, and even with my, my dad is Caribbean and watching the Knicks basketball with him in the early 90s, mind you, I wasn't necessarily a Knicks fan, but yeah, watching Knicks basketball with my dad, I mean, that's that's probably, you know, the, the sacrilegious, to be a New Yorker and probably say that, but my <laughs> fandom is a little weird. But um, I was introduced to it, the game that way through my dad, you know, and, and watching games with him um, in, in the 90s. And then for other members of my family who played either in communities or used that through it as an outlet for um, college. You know, I remember John Thompson coming to my grandmother's house to recruit my cousin to come play for Georgetown. And like, I'm in awe, like watching this, this giant of a human being, you know, just come in and tell my family he's gonna take care of my cousin. You know, and this is a girl from Caribbean and, you know, Southern roots. But anyway, you look at it, basketball. I have one for you, um, and that's regards to development. So yes. a lot of your work is working with the officials and making sure they're doing their yes. job to the highest standard, you know, at all levels. But also now you're in Africa, which means, yes, yes bring the basketball, develop the team. <laughs> How do we develop our talent on officiating yeah. side? You yeah. know, how do we bring that knowledge to Africa and make sure that we can sustain it? And then in future, the younger generation will look up and say, actually, I want to be an, uh, a ref for the BAL. Yeah, yeah, how is yeah. that coming along? I mean, ben, ben, you've said it. Like, the, the, the words that you just said are essentially our roadmap. Like, we have an amazing referee operations team of, of people who are just dedicated to educating about officiating. When I, when I first exclusively started working in basketball ops, it was in our officiating space to, you know, just focus a bit more on our training and development and, and how we have more connectivity with our players and, and with our teams. But when we come to market, the kids and, and the rest who are already there, they're hungry. You know, they're, they're hungry for the knowledge. They're hungry for our training. They're hungry for the resources. So we're expanding and building out a grassroots program that is focused on international development of young athletes and then helping them to identify that there are alternative career paths in basketball if you just don't want to be a player. And then also the big piece with officiating and education for our young players is how you interact with referees and officials on the court. You know, a big part of the NBA is decorum. It's how you show up, it's how you engage because that is basically an example for how fans interact, you know, how young kids learn the game, you know, all of that kind of trickles down. So when we come to market, it's just as important to, you know, treat, teach the mechanics and accuracy of getting calls and positioning, but also decorum and engagement and how as a young athlete, you engage with the officials, learn a referee's name, Hey, ref is not the right way to go by things. You know, take the time to learn someone's name. The referees learn your name. You know, they, they, they do their research on you. They have to understand your play style out of respect and just making sure that everyone continues to have the best game as possible. Learn the referee's name. You know, and if you have concerns or questions, you know, just try to get their attention at the right time. It's all of those different nuances that I don't think people understand about the officiating craft. And I will call it a craft because it takes just as much time to learn how to be a seasoned, well-decorated official as you would put into becoming a basketball player on the court. 
So um, officiating is a big part of our game, Benny. It's, it's a big part um, of how we'll continue growing the Africa League. Um, there's lots of education and resources being dedicated to that. And it also requires a degree of partnership with FIBA because if we didn't have that, it would be difficult to you know, have the resources, get to the guys to help with training um, and just continue to build from there. So all hands on deck. Why was it really important for you guys to partner with FIBA? Because obviously the BAL League coming to Africa takes over the Africa Basketball League that already existed. But we know that FIBA in the Europe space is being huge, it's huge for many years. And then mm -hmm. both of you coming together, historical thing for NBA and FIBA to come together in a different continent and bring into the sports to millions of people. Why is that partnership so important? Because I think it shows the essence of true partnership, right? I mean, the, the, the NBA is a traditional, you know, American entity. We're, we're coming into a totally different cultural market. Um, there are different processes, there are, there are different norms. There's, there's just a degree of respect, you know, that just goes into this partnership and for it to be successful it's necessary at the same time. So um, while it, we, we also don't want to compete, you know, it, it truly is a partnership for how you grow this and exhibit the best basketball products on the court. So that's really why the partnership is important. Well, at this point, I really want to give a shout out to Monty. You know Monty. <laughs> if you don't know who Monty My is, guy. he's the most well-dressed NBA <laughs> official I have ever met in my whole life. Well, make sure he gets this so he can hear his shout out. He is GQ ready every single time. I'm like, who's this guy? He's like a yeah. London fashion icon. It's just another great example when we talk about amazing team members. I mean, like he is is hands down one of just the, the best genuine human beings you will meet. You know, he, he sees skill, he sees talent, he sees personality. And you know, all of that comes into how he continues to train and develop our officials. And he's an amazing team member. I'm, I'm glad to have him with us. So, I love him. And I, and I learned so much from him just as, you know, anyone else. Shout out Monty, shout out. <laughs> but Morgan, let's talk, let's come back to you. You've done yeah. all these years, seven years at the NBA. In NBA lifetime, you're really young, to be fair. Yes. You would have yes. been 30 years, 35 old, gray people. <laughs> um, what is the end goal for you and the kind of skills that you have accumulated over the years? End goal? Why are you trying to like hedge my time? Why, why can't I stay in the present? I'm trying to be inspired <laughs> by your journey so I can come up with big, you know, mild, you know mild grandiose things. Stuff. Yes, go ahead. Um, in, in my younger years, years I used to focus on end goal like you know this this may sound as if I'm avoiding in my younger years I focused on what my end goal is what I want to be when I grow up um, I think I've more so started to focus a bit more on the present um, I'm watching the game and I'm watching the impact of the game globally um, basketball is at the helm of social economic political wellness health gender issues like it's it's such it's so crucial to how you know the world continues to operate just even coming out of covid and and the, the role that the nba is playing to help revitalize the economy as well but i'm not focused on so much what my end goal is i'm still trying to wrap my hands around the present and in my my present space i just want to continue to help grow in this game create better relationships with our players, with our scouts, with our GMs, um, focus on representation and just diversifying the narrative of what really goes on with basketball. You know, I, I want to help to break down some of these barriers where, you know, there are different trains of thought to help grow this game. You know, as we look on the team side, you have all different backgrounds spanning from, you know, uh, analytics and data to international studies, to English majors, to different levels of, you know, physicians or you know doctorate practices right now there's so much going on that it would be naive of me to say okay my end result is being a gm i think i'd be selling myself short you know if, if i just said that um and i'll and i'll just continue to grow the game and and partner with as many people as i can i'm interested in what goes on in africa i wanted us to see the bal come to life you know, I'm interested in seeing what comes out of our academies and, you know, hoping that our players continue to transition into other aspirations. I'm excited for the time when our referees, you know, are held in a different regard and are respected entirety and entirety for their craft. So we've got a lot of work to do now 
and um, that's just kind of where I'll take it. Yeah. Why do you think it's so important? I mean, you heard us talking about the work Bismack Bayombo is doing back home yeah. since he's been in the league. Yeah. It's so important, for, especially for the African players that have made it in the league to look back and lift us the climb. When you say look back, right, and then we all say it. I say it all the time. I say look back to, to look forward, right? Um, it's important for, for all of us. African players, anyone who's contri- who's contributing to this game, it's, it's important to, to do something else for someone that, that comes after you. Um, in some cases, particularly with Africa, there's a stigma. You know, there's a stigma about the continent and and its, its wealth and its resources and just ability to compete in other spaces. I think that each of our players that is able to show up and stand up for what's happening on the continent and be able to give back to their communities just shows that, you know, your misconception of the continent is, you know, like like what you may have thought your perception is is, is off. Um, and the thing about Bismack is that he's not doing it for credit, right? He's not doing it because he wants to show up or he's looking for the likes. He's doing it because it's necessary. You know, he's doing it because the value of the U.S. dollar, you know, goes so much further in his market where he can still take care of his community and take care of his family. Like, those are the the big things that come out of this game. And and for the players that are doing it, they're doing it because they can. And the more that they do it, other players, younger players, you talk about Emmanuel, who, you know, also grew up in New York and is coming from basketball here. You know, like these guys are putting off for their country. So the more they do it, I think they'll teach the young folks behind them to continue doing the same and just, you know, show up. And one last one from me. If you were to choose your all-time top five African players, past and present, who would you have in your top five? Well, this is a hot one, Morgan. It is. It is. Manu, Akeem. Yes! I knew it. Mention the gun in. Mention the gun in. though. Benny, we love you now. Are you plugging pops in there, Benny? Is that the is that the pops plug? What would you say? Pops, pops, pops. Because if I don't say it, he'll haunt me down after this. And then um, I, I also I, I got to shout out Lou. I got to shout out Lou um, because Lou is also an amazing example of like the journey. Let's 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 talk about the journey and the impact of utilizing the NBA and all that comes with it and how he is riding for Sudan, for South Sudan, all the things that he's doing with the Federation right now. Um, Just his journey, um, his tenure in the league and how he's contributed as a role player and just, you know, uplifting the game. Uh, Lou is is, is doing a lot. So, you know, definitely have to shout him out and give him some love as well. And just one of the most humble and amazing human beings you will ever meet. So he'll probably get me after this too, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's good. That's that's really good. I mean, it's not just about the basketball, it's also about yeah. the things that, you know, they do um, off, the, um, uh, off the court. So yeah, my question is if there was one thing, you know, you could do differently uh, in your entire NBA career, what would it be? I want people to, to, to break down like, some of the assumptions we assume a lot in this game you know we 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 assume a lot based on either like someone's pedigree or their volume of experience or or you know just because they've been there or they know this person we have a lot of assumptions associated with this game if if i think if i could change anything differently that um we would probably take a pause back and not assume so much about what someone does or how they contribute or expectations of a player you know like assumptions go a long way so that's that's maybe something I look at. It. And now for DJ side, I mean, we've got um, DJ Eric sitting right there, smiling, smiling, smiling. I'm um, enjoying the conversation. Yeah. I learned a lot here. I'd like you to pick five of your favorite songs so she can mix it for you at some point. Mm. Oh gosh, I need to type this down. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So the thing about me, my music genre is far and wide. Ah, uh, wait. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. are we? Are we t- are we talking about a specific genre? Are we talking about so just something that resonates, that appeals to you? That's something that you could just, you know, I don't nod your head to at some time, at one point, and then another moment you get up and just let your hair down and just go, you know, everything. Okay, so then, the, 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 then I'll have to. So then you know what you're gonna have to give me. You're gonna have to give me. Actually, I want to see a fella, black motion, black coffee mix. Yeah, you can do that for me. Right, on the Morgan, me and your friends, because that's what I'm about. I'm about black coffee, black motion, all them South African. Yeah, and um, he was supposed to come here actually May eighth, 
and we were going to see him in New York, and we, we couldn't make that work because of everything that's going on. But if oh, you can wow. give me that sort of mix, and then from Fela, um, I fell in love with Fela probably almost 20 years ago, give or take. Um, and my first song from him was Water No Get Enemy. Okay. Ooh, and yeah. First, wow. And then I first broke uh, out to Fela. <laughs> with zombie so when you talk about letting go and just be like that's what zombie does for me all and right then, morgan yeah. is married in nigerian gosh oh okay can you can you can you I'll get that mix over to you, no problem. This podcast mix is going to be what Morgan has said and it's going to entitled Morgan's future husband is a Nigerian. Oh, oh God. Yes. <laughs> well, Morgan, it has been amazing having you on the BAL podcast. Your insight, your experience, your journey, your story is so inspirational. I hope that all the women and girls that are listening to this, especially across Africa, you hear it and see that for women, we also have a space within the sporting space and you use Morgan's knowledge and experience and her story to really inspire you to go on this journey. So Morgan from me and the rest of the team, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you. Benny, can I add one point to that? You say women and girls, it's just as important for our men and our young men because right. we cannot do this by ourselves. Like our men need to make room for us just the same. So mm -hmm. this, this really, it goes for everyone. It's not just about people who look like me, it's about people of all walks of life, all genders. Like, we all need to do this together, so. That is very true. Angela, as you can see, um, Benny and the girls are making room for me. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm numbered here. <laughs> you know when we talk about male allies, Morgan? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Colin is an ally or just wants to be involved in the women's side. I don't know, but, oh like, but, no like, but what Morgan said is true. For for us to move, we need our male allies to stand up for us, to speak for us when we are not able to enter those rooms or sit around those tables. They need to speak up for us. But Morgan, thank you. You're an inspiration. We appreciate you. We appreciate mm. the work you have done across the continent over the years. We hope to see you in Africa very soon when all this madness is finished. Man. On next week's podcast, we have Toronto Raptors. First, female scout of Africa, Sarah Chan from South Sudan, will be joining us to share her journey into the NBA as well. I am really excited, girls, and Colin. Um, so please, get your questions ready. Get excited because Sarah's journey is also a mad one. It's literally a mad one. And I can't hear, I can't wait to hear all about it. Intabi, thank you so much. Colin, as always, thank you. DJ oh, Airy, thank you for the for the music. It's thank bang you. It, bang it. If you guys, guys want to hear more, please don't forget to go check her out on Twitter, Instagram. She's all over the place. And also don't forget to actually follow this podcast at, yeah. at the BAL podcast oh. on Instagram yeah. and also on Twitter. We are exclusively on Spotify. So guys, don't forget to go check us out. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you in the next episode.